morning or good evening wherever you are, and welcome to the Small Speculations Podcast, your one-stop shop for Laramie's sites of memory. I am one of your speakers, uh, Tristan Holloman, and I'm joined with... And my name is Eric Leeser. And today we will be talking about our two... I'm just giving a general introduction to our two uh, public memory sites. So why don't we start off with, well, I mean, do you want to start <laughs> you off start? with yours? Um, <laughs> I can start off with mine first. Uh, my, the, the site that I selected is the, uh, the Matthew Shepard Memorial Bench. It is located here in Laramie, Wyoming on the University of Wyoming campus. Um, it is outside the, the front entrance of the Arts and Sciences building. It is one of 10 other benches placed on the perimeter of that platform leading up to the entrance of that building. There are two benches. benches. Yes, there are 10 benches there, I think. I'm pretty sure I counted them out to be 10. Um, and there are two benches that face the building rather than are per perpendicular to the building. And the Matthew Shepard bench is one of them. And currently it is covered in snow along with items that visitors have placed on the bench. Yeah, I've seen that. There's a, and there's a painting, there's like a, a stuffed a unicorn over there. Mm -hmm. And to this day, the snow still has not been cleared off away from the bench. <laughs> no. You'd think no, that a site of memory such as the, that would, uh, someone would take care of the snow, but mm -hmm. apparently not. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of worried about that painting, though. I feel like that's going to fall apart. I did take a picture of the bench recently, and the the painting is completely covered. And I wonder if uh, this is complete. This is getting off topic, but I do wonder if people like intend on their stuff being covered in snow. You know, that doesn't sound like something people would think long term. But if it does happen, then it happens. Because, well, what do you do when you bring flowers to a grave? You leave them there, and they wilt and die, and then the grave keeper cleans them off. And we do, we are going to talk about, like, I feel like we talk about, we're going to, we're going to talk about the environment a lot for both of our, our statues, because they're both located outdoors in the exact kind of proximity. Oh, yeah, they are, they are very, very close to each other. Uh, mm. They're practically right around the corner from each other, as a matter of fact. And with that, with the, you should, that, you should, <laughs> you should introduce yourself. Yeah, you should introduce Exactly, that site. is a good time yeah. to do that. yeah. Uh, so, since we're moving up, the site of memory that I have chosen that I've chosen to examine today is known as the University Family Statue, which sounds like a how to describe it. Very simple and direct, direct and to the point, uh, which makes sense because it's it's a, an arguably very simple statue. It is a white stone statue in the middle of a circular flower bed that can be found in the pasture in the middle of the university's uh, plaza. It's called the plaza itself is called Prexy's Pasture, and there's a long history about behind that name. But we're focusing just on the statue here here for the moment. Uh, there's a bunch of sidewalks uh, crisscrossing around in the pasture, and several of which of them meet up at this statue. Uh, when you go to the statue itself, uh, if you, and you can see that there are three white figures that are all uh, embracing each other in a way, but uh, 
but all their arms are like fused together. Uh, it looks like that they're running around each other in a in a hug and a sort of hug sort of thing. And they're all of different size and different sizes, different heights. And some and someone who is uh, familiar with uh, history, I suppose, is a good way to put it. Might note that they are reminiscent of the nuclear family, if you've ever heard about that. Uh, and each of the uh, figures themselves are reminiscent of a classic mother, father, excuse me, sorry about that, and a child, uh, which is interesting. It's interesting by itself because uh, it is called the university family, and yet it is reminiscent of the nuclear family. And more often than not, the way that I found out online, a lot of people refer it to as the nuclear family if they don't know its actual name. Which is actually kind of funny, honestly, now that I think about it. Uh, what do you think? I've heard of it being referred to as a nuclear family so many times, but I'm honestly not sure what the what a nuclear family is. Can you really? explain that? Really? Yeah. Well, a nuclear family was a term that was coined during, I'm... Think some around the Cold War era. I, I need to. I I'd have to look this up for the next podcast. As a matter of fact, in fact, if you want me to. Uh, but long story short, it is the idealized American family featuring uh, a heterogeneous and genus pair pair of individuals: a mother, a father, or a male and a female, uh, having at least one child, and that by itself creates the nuclear family and the term nuclear is uh as i mentioned is coined from the cold war because of the threat of nuclear annihilation oh oh yes so a lot of uh people associate the nuclear family with this time of fear in america as well as a sort of a as a as a sort of hot take, for lack of a better term, on the American dream, because uh, do you know what the American dream is? Yeah, the nuclear dream of the getting a house with a white picket yeah. fence, uh, having a car, having a job that can support your whole family, that kind of stuff. Everybody thinks about the American dream and dream of growing up, and well, these days. That's a lot harder to meet, which is why the term nuclear family has come under fire, a lot of fire because of this. And as a result, well, that's one of the primary controversies surrounding this specific statue because of the term nuclear family. It's confused as the nuclear family. It sets a precedence for it in a way, but I'll get to that later. That's interesting that one of like or one of the first statues that you encounter on campus like your statue that you chose is is a statue that everybody is going to encounter on campus if they if they come here it's interesting that it is rooted in in such controversy and our our well campus... i should note that it was erected in 1983 according to my research so oh. it was mostly just a product of its time like the oh. one of the main reasons people are debating about the statue so much is about whether or not it should be removed for something more tasteful let's just say but the statue remains i see I see 
Dude, when was the first time that you ever encountered this statue? Or it was well, during my tour, as a matter of fact. Like uh, the university has a university tour for families and new students to just look around the campus, see uh, where everything is and what happens at different parts of it, because it's a really big campus. So like we even have a bunch of uh, satellite buildings way the heck outside of the campus, but it's still like part of the university. Like there's an entire art building that is dedicated to sculpt to sculpture making just like around the museum. Is that like when you first saw the statue, is that like is that when your interest was first peaked or were you just like, oh, this is a statue? When was like mm, that's when did you start to get question. interested in this? I think that when I saw it during the tour, I didn't take much note of it because I was more interested in the everything else. Uh, but when I started being a student at this school and I started passing it more and more often, I gained a, I gained an interest. Like, as a matter of fact, the way that I've set up my schedule for this semester, I pass by the statue twice every day. And uh, while now today it's just another part of the background, it's still a prominent thing that I've and I do pass by every day like it is literally just right there and so I think my interest just comes from the fact that uh it's always been there but I didn't don't didn't know that much about it until I went up to the statue and read its name on the plaque I feel like the same thing happened to me but I maybe have a little bit more connection so the Matthew Shepard bench, I also saw mm. the Matthew Shepard bench for the first time during the orientation. And it was, and the arts and sciences buildings was like one of the first buildings that we toured. Yeah. So when I encountered it, it was also one of the first times that I would see any LGBT plus acceptance from the, from, from the university, like publicly. So it was oh, yeah. kind of bittersweet in that moment where it was like, finally, I'm out of my small town and these like flags that people put on the bench can be in public and can be kind of unbothered. But when I was approaching it, like even before reading the plaque, I kind of already knew what, what it was for. And over the time, over, over time, as I've, as I've been at this campus, I've, 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 I've like thought about the bench a lot just because it's, I mean, it's just there, and then like, and and this class specifically has given me the opportunity to look at it in a in more a evolving light. way. Yeah, yeah. In the way that like you look at the at the at the the, uni the university family. <laughs> yeah, because I can now now I can be like, oh, why is it why is it bothering me that it's just a bench? Now I can I can ask questions like, why? What does this bench say about? The university's interactions with the incidents are like why what does this how what does it say about the how this university views like lgbt plus hate crimes and the the lgbt plus community in general and i think that's why other people might be interested in this too oh yeah you wouldn't normally think about actually asking those questions that you i feel like that whenever we see stuff like this whenever we see a bench that says in in memoriam of such and such and and of such and such or person this and person that or when you see a stat uh a statue like in the middle of a field with just a name as as its plaque with 
out to any context as to what it actually represents or what it actually is, you think in the back of your head, you start asking questions about it in the back of your head, but you never vocalize it. Uh, but in this class, we are encouraged to do so. And then now that we are, there's a lot more questions than you might expect. Like, uh, I didn't even know who uh, Shepard and who this Shepard Tate was until I read the bench and saw gifts uh, on the on, on the bench. When I saw it, I'm like, who, who the heck is it? And then I read the plaque and I was like, this is in commemoration of a hate speech. And I'm like, on the one hand, that's very nice that the university did that. On the other hand, uh, I feel like that I'm starting to etch into a territory for another par par part of the podcast, though. So okay. bef before we accidentally go off on a tirade about the history of the university or whatever the heck, uh, let's try to... What's a good way to put this? What kind of a... What about our readings that we've been doing for this class? What what of our readings that you think could apply to these things that could help us better understand what we're what we're asking about this? Well, one of the first readings that I think kind of covers my general like perspective approaching this bench is from the public memory chapter of the Sage Encyclopedia of Communication Research Methods. <laughs> um and it just poses a question and it it poses it as like every person approaching public memory should ask this question is what does this site say we should remember and forget about the subject being remembered and with that do you want me to go through all of them that i have in mind or do you want to go in like back and forth i i think i actually chose the same an article to talk and talk about oh, uh no. though i only called it public memory in my uh, in my section here, uh, this is a uh, Hodak and Kendall, right? I did not write down the authors. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, well, if it's the article that I'm thinking of, then that is a good a good place, at least for me, to start because public memory itself is interesting in the fact that it evolves with a community. That's something that uh, a lot of a uh, Public uh, public memory researchers uh, do mention a lot in a lot of the articles that we've read, but like it's still an important thing to think about because the way re we remember things changes with time, and uh, the fact that memory itself doesn't stay the same, it never stays the same. Like technically speaking, according to some people. Uh, if you remember something, it is automatically a completely different thing because you're trying to remember remember something from your perspective and memory is, an, is a fickle thing, you know? So a site of public memory is fascinating, especially these, these sites that we've chosen. The, they're in close proximity to each other. Uh, they feature completely different uh, memories, and but at the same time, uh, one of them is a commemorates a very real memory that some people today still remember. Some people today still remember the still remember the event itself, I think is a good way to put it. Uh, whereas for the statue, the new university family, that was put up in 1983. Yes, there are people that still probably still remember it being put up, but they're no longer students. 
most likely they're no longer students. I would hope they're, I would hope that they're no longer students. That was like 40 years ago. And uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure where the direction that I'm going with this. The, I, the statue itself, I've mentioned this before, it's always there. It creates a sort of background memory in people's minds and then becomes a more prominent memory when you go out of your way to learn about it. But unless you go out of your way to learn about it, it's just a statue in the background. Uh, if you go and don't go out of your way to learn about the event that created this plaque on this bench, it's just another bench. So mm -hmm. public memory is interesting in that sense that we commemorate things but we only know about the commemoration if we either were there or if we know what it's actually about. That's definitely one of the things that interests me about the Matthew Shepard bench in particular is that it is, in fact, just a bench to most people. And and for the majority to, 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 to the majority of people in general who look at it are going to interact it, interact with it as just a bench. I feel like I there are what interests me is there are certain aspects outside of the bench in the way that the community interacts with it that is very particular, and that relates to one of the other readings that I that I looked at. If you want me to to go into that, feel free. All right, so I I relate that to to the um, the reading memory and lost communities, strange methods for for studying place. I I think a lot of we're gonna hear a lot of it's just a bench in this, mm -hmm. and and I think that I think that what what really makes the Matthew Shepard bench is the embodied experience that one goes through when encountering it, and it's like is very particular to like the environment as as we talked about earlier. Like right now it's covered in right now it's covered in snow and you can't see you can't see what like the trinkets that people put on it and and it's hard to get to. But when I first saw it, I had a completely different embodied experience. I saw it on a hot summer August day. It was covered in flowers. It was covered in art and and like LGBT plus like symbolism and like plushies and everything. It was like at its brightest. So those are like two completely different embodied experiences that that this bench is a Betray. Oh yes, come to think of it, since there are like uh, gifts on the bench at all, it certainly means that people know about the bench. People know about the history behind the plaque at the very least. At the very least, I would imagine that the family, especially so, they're probably the ones that uh, help uh, decorate it. Honestly, now that I think about it, but I—that's mostly just me asking questions at and the questions here. I don't know who's putting. The flowers there who's putting the the stuffed animals and the art pieces mm -hmm. there uh they could be random students they could be the family they could be someone from the university itself someone on the staff i don't know it's interesting that you that you bring up that like we don't know who's bringing this this stuff here because i that's another part of the reading is like i felt like the the way that people left their stuff there was um an example of for ephemera where it where particularly ephemera. like yeah ephemera I, whatever it is <laughs> um, i know it's a hard word yeah um i felt like it was like the lgbt's 
communities like a continuation of that experience like from from matthew shepherd's death was a lot of a lot more advocacy for lgbt plus rights and i feel like when somebody leaves like a rainbow flag on that bench it is like a continuation of that so it feels like an ephemera of an event so in a way i feel like i do know about these people i i get that i get that idea a sense of a community of belonging is certainly a, certainly something that might how do i put this <laughs> i have a bit of mixed feelings when it comes to community personally speaking because I grew up with a lot of communities on my, on just the way that I grew up. I grew up in a cul-de-sac, for example, with a bunch of kids uh, in like very nearly every house in that cul-de-sac. And uh, we played this, we we used to play this thing called, uh, we called night games every weekend, where we would literally just go out at night and play games like tag or hide and seek and we just do this in the cul-de-sac and that was and that was great fun those are good memories to me everyone in that neighborhood moved out no one that i know lives in that neighborhood anymore and heck even part of the neighborhood is completely different i think i mentioned this in class there was a bush a giant bush in the neighborhood that uh it it's always been there just like a just like a bench, just like a statue. It's always been there. Like uh there was no history behind the bush other than the fact that it grew there and someone started taking care of it. That thing got struck by lightning and exploded. And so the de the dead bush was eventually ripped out of the ground because it was a dead bush. And now there's no bush. The same thing would happen if this bench would like for some reason disappear if the mm. statue would be just replaced with something else the memory would change mm -hmm. I, that's a that's a good way to put that like a one of the readings uh jeffrey olick's sites of memory uh this was i believe this was our third reading uh I've been talking about this before, so I don't need to elaborate on what the article was about specifically, but when you see a site of memory is something that is remembered by a lot of people, but uh, people remember the same sites of memory for different things. Uh, for the bench and bench, people remember it as two things, either as just a bench or as a commemoration for a horrible event in the school's history. Uh, for the statue, though, statue, technically speaking, has no history. It was just erected in the middle of the pasture as an art piece. It gained a history over time in the fact that it was confused a lot with the nuclear family uh, symbolism, and to the point that a lot of people want it removed because it reminds us too much about this dark part in America's history, or just generally speaking, it's reminiscent of the nuclear family, and some people are really opposed to that idea, or like really opposed to that idea. So the site of memory of the statue has evolved into a controversy, which is as interesting as it is kind of sad, because at the end of the day, it's still an art piece, but interpretations of those art pieces changes with time. Definitely. Honestly, if I can move on with my uh, third uh, 
article that I and I want to talk about here, the failure of memory, and written by Phillips. I think that's a good uh, through line for what everything that I've been talking about here, because like the controversy is the, one of the main things that people think about think about whenever they if they know the history of the statue, if they know what it represents, then eventually they're going to come across the controversy of should the statue be removed. Should the statue be removed and be replaced with something else? Because on the one hand, it's it's a statue that's been there for over 40 years at this point. On the other hand, it is representative of something that a lot of people don't like, the, the idea of the nuclear family. And in some cases, I've found uh, some people don't like it for other reasons as well, which honestly I should, I, is something that I could uh, elaborate more on a different podcast. Uh, so for the moment here, I will just end, end this statement that I suppose I'm trying to make is the fact that when you look at uh, the statue, on the one hand, again, it's just a statue, but the connotations of what it represents, the rhetorical idea of this, and this statement of a nuclear family, now called the university family, is like saying that only students and students who strive to be in a successful nuclear family or are already in a nuclear family in some cases will be successful at the school. And that's a nasty rhetoric that a lot of people quite understandably probably want to be removed. Uh, but for the bench, but for your bench, the I keep forgetting his name. Honestly, that like that's how it's much Matthew I Shepherd. don't know that much. Matthew Shepard. Matthew Shepard. Yeah, <laughs> it was an important name to remember. It oh was, yes, it, it is a very important name, but I keep forgetting because <laughs> I don't know that much about it. And also, just personally speaking, I don't have that good of a memory. That's honestly pretty accurate to the the. I feel like to the majority of the community i don't want to make that too bold of a statement but it is it's it's interesting in the way that um this bench and the way that people perceive this incident kind of coincide together how so well some may say that the bench is not enough to commemorate his memory and well i would argue that is exactly how the first pod, first podcast <laughs> for controversial statements that is exactly is how the the university prefers to commemorate his memory or 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 kind of express that part of their history and that's kind of how the how i've seen the community kind of interact with their with that memory too it's not really something that is important to a whole lot of people and or is made to be important to other people. That's an interesting point, actually, because before I found out what the statue was representing, and the fact that I, like a lot of people, confuse it for more of a nuclear family statue than a university family statue, as the uh, university puts it, <laughs> literally puts it, uh, it's also, I'm going to keep repeating myself here, it's still a statue. So, like... Unless you're like really passionate about the ideals of the nuclear family or the fact that you if you if you don't even know what a nuclear family is, then same thing. It's just a statue. It's just an art piece. It doesn't matter if it's uh 
if it has some sort of weird controversy, that controversy might not even apply to most people. So like, that's an interesting thing to think about. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like I was focusing more on the controversy myself because I'm a bit passionate about this kind of stuff. But like, some people don't, they don't give a flying F. Uh, flying F. Yeah, yeah. That's I fine mean, it definitely because we're human. Yeah, yeah. That's what like the whole this whole thing is about is like looking at the diverse ways that we as people experience memory, and I think this is a this is a good point to 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 just to just throw in my third my third reading article. Your third is, reading, and um, where I think it all comes back to to the quote that I mentioned earlier. Uh, which is you know what the questioning what what should we remember and what should we forget about the subject and i i i thought about what are we forgetting when we choose to enter when we choose when we are choosing to enact these these statues versus when we we put up a bench you know what are we choosing to to forget and remember when like where's the mentality behind that? it mm-hmm like what like with this controversy who gets to say who gets to say that this statue is, stays the center of our of our school there's plenty of uh sites of memory around the school as we saw in class but uh the statue is one of the most prominent features simply because it's in the middle of well on to the off to the side but still in praxis pasture mm -hmm. That is interesting. Just, hmm. And something that I'm I have of repeating about, myself. Something that I'm curious about is how much of Prexy's pastures are you going to involve in in looking at the statue? Well, the by virtue of the fact that they that the statue is in Prexy's, technically speaking. They have nothing to do with each other. One is a pasture, one is a statue. They have completely different histories and histories, but at the same time, they're associated with each other by uh, simply by being next to each other, one of which being literally in the pasture. So I feel like that the history of the pasture itself uh, won't impact, does, it shouldn't, it does not impact the statue. Uh, but knowing me, I'm probably going to at least mention some parts of the history of the, of the field itself, because that itself might, inf might help to influence the site of memory that I might not even understand at, at this point in time. Because some people, like, this university is over 150 years old. That's, and that pasture probably has a lot more history about it than I can even imagine. And now it has a statue on it with a very mod, well, postmodern view of what it means to be an American, which may or may not be, which may or may not have been put up by accident. Like that, the nuclear family connotation was probably the intention. And then the nuclear family became a negative thing. Mm -hmm. It became that. It wasn't always the intention. Have you ever heard of a concept called death of the author? Just quick aside here. No, I haven't. 
It is a trope in writing, as a matter of fact, where a writer's intention gets lost to the reader's interpretation of a thing. Like, for example, a writer's intention with, with writing or with even just any form of creative medium, uh, an artist, a writer's a plaque creator, a monumentalist, it doesn't matter. Their intention is to like either make a statement, tell a story, or to remember something. People are going to interpret it as something completely different, though. Uh, I think one of my favorite examples is the fact that, uh, no, lost my train of thought. I completely forgot what I was talking, what I was talking about there. Uh, but uh, a good example, I suppose, is a better way to put it, is death of the author is very hard to talk about, but due to the simple fact that it has, by itself, it creates controversy. Because the opinions of the author uh, might be saying that we should, and we should, uh, save the environment but then the way that they create that is to have a bunch of freedom fighters that are actively maybe unintentionally destroying the environment that they're trying to protect so by so the author's intention is to say save the environment when people are going to interpret it as him actually saying destroy the environment and so the intention of the author gets lost to the interpretation that's what death mm -hmm. of the author means uh, for the uh, the university family statue, it is called the university family of note. It is reminiscent of the nuclear family. So you can make the interpretation that it was deliberate. Right now, I don't know if that was the intention. And mm. I don't know if that it should be important to the history of this statue or not. But it is something to note. And we have gone completely over time, uh, oh. I believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, is there anything else you want to finish your thoughts on? Because I kind of interrupted you. I um, don't. I think I got everything out there on on my end. I think so too. All right. Thank you again for joining us at Small Speculations. If you enjoyed this, please don't forget to subscribe and listen to future episodes. Once again, I'm Eric Leister, and this is my partner. Uh, Thriston, and we encourage you to open your eyes to the sites of public memory all around you.